You know, we've been studying the life of Jacob in recent weeks and looking at different aspects of uh, what God did with him, the change, the vision that he spoke to him early on in his life when his dad uh, called him. And we know that, that in the, the Hebrew, the picture there is the sun is about to rise on the horizon. So it totally changes what we see in the, the English with that scripture and puts a, a, a different spin on it right off the bat. And then he charged him after he called him and basically he blessed him and sent him out to go find his wife in the, the land where his uh, uh, Isaac's wife came from. So that's where he went to. And we know that in the process of time, that, uh, that in that process, actually, before he left, that uh, Jacob was given the blessings of Abraham. Isaac spoke those over him. He'd already got the birthright, right? So he goes, he begins to travel. He goes to a place now. He's got a vision. Uh, he goes to what eventually is Bethel, the house of God. He, he sleeps there. He has the dream of the ladder. While he's there, God begins to do some speaking to him about those blessings and reinforces the blessings that have been spoken over him by his dad. So there he is. Now he's got a vision that's in him that's being birthed. A vision for him to walk in. A vision for him to grab a hold of. But he was not able to walk into that vision at that time. Because he wasn't ready, you see. And that's the way it is with us. God is going to speak to us. He's going to uh, put deposits in us and downloads. There are going to be things he's wanting us to do and he's prepared for us perhaps. Some may be fivefold ministry, but not all are. And everybody here has should have a vision that God's put in us for such a time that He's ready for us to walk in to for, uh, fulfill our purpose for being here. So this took 20 years in the case of, of what Jacob had to go through. And it wasn't an easy 20 years. He went in as, as a, a, a very haughty individual. He was a hard worker. He was a shepherd. He was able to generate wealth there, and God blessed him in spite of himself. You go back and look at it. So he comes back out of that situation, and when God says it's time to leave, and he comes back to the river Jabbok, and he knows that his brothers are going to kill him when he goes back. His brother is a, is a warlord now. He's, he's leading armies by the history of the, of the Jewish people. He was a, a conqueror. He was like Nimrod, a hunter of men. And he was, he was not somebody you wanted to trifle with. So when Jacob looked at that situation, he was scared of his brother. Uh, I would have been too. I would have, I would have been very tentative and entered back into that. But God told him that that land was his. He'd given him the blessings of Abraham. So he goes across the river Jabbok, and he goes back to pick up some stuff he had left there that was a part of his life in the past. And that's where he wrestles with the, the uh, man, that angel, with God himself with himself, whatever interpretation you want to look at on this. And God does a work in him there. And self begins to die even greater than it had done up to that point. Without that uh, wrestling match, perhaps he never would have reached to the place where he could have gone in and to accomplish the vision or his part of it. Because it never was totally accomplished until his sons go to Egypt and then Moses goes in years later and then the family comes on back in and the land is theirs. But this was a part of that. He was, his faith was being activated to where he knew that God had spoken to him. And now he's looking ahead. And everybody listen. When God gives us a vision, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's happening with the government, regardless of where my infallibilities are, 
when I look and I see that word and I look out there in the future, I'm going to grab a hold of it and my faith is going to be there. And that's going to pull me to that place regardless of all these circumstances that are around me. Does that make any sense? Does that make any sense, Juan? I mean, we got faith that is in this vision that perhaps it's out there and it's impossible for me to do it. But God says it. And what's God going to do if He says He's going to do it? He's going to do it. But He has to take me through a period of time and a process and prepare me with the wind of preparation to step in and go into something that's impossible because the vision is always going to be outside of what I could do. If it's not, then it's not God. I'm going to tell you that. Because if, it, if I could do it, then why would He get the glory for it? He's going to co-labor with me, but I'm going to have to learn to depend on Him. Jacob entered a whole different level of dependence when he came out of that wrestling match and he couldn't even stand up as a wrestler himself. He was a supplanter, which means to wrestle with people. So now he can't even stand up to wrestle. So he had to hang on to that person that was, he was wrestling with to keep him from falling. That's what happens with us with God. He's going to work us to that place. So that's our context. We're going to continue on with the vision and what God is speaking in the preparation in this season. We're going to know Him. And it says later on in, in uh, chapter 32 in, in uh, Genesis that the day was breaking. The vision was coming forth, you see. Going back to when he was called, it was a sunrise was coming up above, it was below the horizon. 20 years later was when this day broke and the vision was coming forth. God gave him a new name and he began to understand God in a different way and understood a, a different name of God in the process. There was transition. Isn't that uh, one of the words that are used when you're about to have a baby? Does everybody realize that we're about to birth a baby? That, that is why we're in transition and why we're wrestling right now. That was what was happening here. It's tribulation, another word, affliction, whatever terms you want to use on that. And it's going to be outside of what we expect and rather design. So let's look at a time in, in history when this happened as well, that there was a vision that was given. Jesus had taught uh, his people, uh, his disciples, and was getting them ready for when he was going to go and be, be ascended and go to sit on the throne. And he told them to go to Israel, to Jerusalem, and that he was to, they were to tarry there. And we see that in, in Acts chapter 3. He showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This was a sign of transition. They were going through the same thing. They were having to wrestle. That's what was happening here. They were entering into a time of change where the old was being left behind and the, the Holy Ghost was sweeping in the new. And there was that sound of the rushing wind coming in. It doesn't say it was a rushing wind. It says it was a sound there. And then there was a, a change and shift that takes place as we get into chapter 2. But they had to make the decision where there were 500 people that were here when they saw Jesus go up and ascend into heaven. 120 with all that were left when they finally made it to the day of Pentecost at the temple. So again, where did the other 380 people go? Am I going to be one of the 120? Or am I going to be part of the 380? I don't want to be in the 380 club myself. There's a lot of excuses, a lot of things we can do. And there's been some words about six men here today. I want to exhort you, I want to charge you, do not go through that door without laying this stuff down today.
This is a good day right here. Excellent day. This is the day of the Lord right here, actually, I believe, for you. They were assembled together with them and commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. And then it goes further and it talks about in verse 7. And see, we need to understand this too. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. That's in the Father's hands. So we're in a season right now that's totally in God's hands that He's working this. We don't understand it, but we know, in my spirit, man, I know there is a breakthrough and a breakout that's coming. It doesn't look that way with some of the stuff happening in the culture right now, but it is, it is on. And in verse 8, if you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you, and he tells them what the vision is right here. All right, you've been walking with me. I've been teaching you. I've been preparing you. You're getting ready for what's coming. I'm going to send the comforter when I leave. Another comforter is the way he words it because he was a comforter for them. In, in that season, and you see that over in the book of John. So you get ready because something major league is happening. I've, I've spent three years with you guys. I put the seed of the kingdom in you. You are people of the Torah. You are people who have learned the Bible. Most of y'all know it implicitly because you were, uh, were expected to memorize it over the course of the years when you were growing up. You've got the seed in you, but there's something different coming. You need to be aware, and you're going to have to wait. And you're going to have to get in the presence of God and he's going to do something here that's going to be different. So just get ready because it's coming. All right, I believe that's as much a word for us right now as it was at the day of Pentecost for those 120 that got in that upper room and they were waiting. They praised God. They prayed. They sought the Lord and they waited. And then they had this day on the day of Pentecost in chapter 2. When it was fully come, and they were all in one place in one accord, uh, historically, they were, it, it, it filled the house when the uh, mighty Russian wind came in. The word house in the Greek uh, refers back to what they called the temple. So they apparently moved from wherever this upper room was to the temple itself on the day of Pentecost. And they were in one accord there. They were praying as one soul. They had gotten to a place of unity, and that's what God is trying to do in this body right now and in the body of Christ overall. He wants us to be in one. Every one of us being on the same page. And suddenly there came that sound. It, it fills the house. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, they begin speaking with tongues. And then we know as it goes on down that other, other things take place here. But look here in verse 16. After Peter gets up and begins to preach, he refers back to this. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He's talking about the fire falling. And it shall come to pass the last day, saith the Lord, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Our, our children are starting to prophesy in this house right now. You've already been, been seeing that. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And all my servants and all my handmaidens I'll pour out to those in, in those days of my Spirit and they shall prophesy, and I'll show wonders in the heavens. And there's some wonders taking place out there right now. It's amazing stuff. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now this is referenced directly to Joel chapter 2. There's, a, there's a, a verse over in Ezekiel that it refers to as well. Why? Where, where did we see this to begin with? And why is this vitally important right now? And the Jews in that group understood exactly what this was. Everybody needs to listen. Because this is the vision that was planted centuries 
centuries before. The children of Israel come out of, uh, during the Exodus and they're standing at the foot of Mount Sinai. Moses goes up. He's getting the, the, the two tablets is the way it's worded in, in the, the Jewish mindset. He comes down and this whole scenario has been in, in God's heart for the whole nation of Israel at that time to become a nation of priest kings that all would prophesy all would be the mouthpieces of the Lord to speak, and that His kingdom would grow exponentially as a result. Well, they're standing there at that foot of that mountain, and there's this darkness that's up there. I don't know what it looked like. The thunder was going, the lightning was on, and it was the sound of a trumpet. And they said, I, I don't know about speaking in tongues. I, I don't know about being the mouthpiece of God. I, I, I don't know about you know, whatever else is, is there that it would cause the fear and the, the flesh to want to back up and punt. But they wanted to back up and punt, Pastor Hammett. That's what they really wanted to do. And they said, okay, Moses, you be the man. You go up there, you be the spokesman, and, and we'll listen, but just God just let him be the mouthpiece. And you know what God did? He said, okay. He said, okay. But, it's, but also, he did, we don't have a record of this in, the, in the, the Bible itself, but it was played out and it was implied. This is going to come to pass one day. This, this vision that I have will come to pass somewhere in the future. My people will catch this vision. And that's exactly what happened with a group of people centuries later grabbed a hold of what Jesus told them and what they knew the Lord had taught them in His Word over the course of the years. And they stepped into that vision. And here we are today. We're a nation. Every one of us should be prophesying. And prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ by definition, in a New Testament definition of it. Every one of us should have those words in our mouth, thoughts in our mind of what God puts in us to speak and to do. That's the ultimate vision that we're a part of right now. And let me say this. I don't care what the, the government says, period. That's not their call. We're called to carry this gospel out and to preach the gospel. We're called to fellowship. We're called to, to extend the, uh, the kingdom of God out into this land. Not just here, but worldwide. Regardless of lockdowns, regardless of things that they're telling us. And one of the things we've got to be very careful of in this season, and I've, I've noticed the pattern here, that when these lockdowns came in, you know, we, we were not able to meet for a couple of months, one, one time and six weeks another time this last year. I noticed that people were beginning to get depressed. Uh, people were feeling alone. People began to feel vulnerable. Does anybody here, does that, raise your hand if you were in that group. Okay, there's a group, some of us here are pretty honest. Okay. I think at least most everybody here, uh, if you weren't depressed, that's another thing uh, by what we've been seeing, that that would be a part of it too. Well, that is from breaking away from the fellowship with the saints. That is from breaking away from iron sharpening iron, Brian. That's from breaking away from being in that anointing of worship like we were today. And so that the enemy knows that. And he's trying to cut off with what God wants to do with His vision for the church, which is a great awakening. I'm thoroughly convinced of that. 
We're seeing so much resistance in the Spirit. There is something major afoot in the Spirit realm. And God's ready for us to step in there to be His, His foot soldiers for such a time as this. Does, can anybody else bear witness with this? Yeah, I believe that's where we are right now. God wants to use each and every one of us. But we're going to have to catch this vision for what's down here. And we're at the River Jabbok, and the sun is about to start rising up. And am I going to leave that stuff behind me and take on the new thing God has called me to move into? Or am I going to still stay on that river, the other side of the river and never enter into what God wants for me to enter into? We really don't have, well, yeah, we got to, we got a choice. God's never going to break our will. That's just the way he is. He never does that. But I'm going to tell you, from what I've experienced over the course of years, if I make the decision to follow him, his way, it's going to be so much better. It's going to be so much better. So much more fruit. Proverbs 29, verse 18. We've got to catch vision, guys. We have to. Where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. That word vision is kazan. Kazan. Uh, that, that, let me read this in the, the um, Passion Bible. It's very, very clear. Y'all listen carefully. When there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. We know that means being without restraints, literally in the Hebrew. But when you follow the revelation of the Word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Isn't that good? There's going to be joy when there is no clear prophetic vision. People quickly wander astray. So I suppose the question is, do I have a clear prophetic vision that I've bought into? Do I know what the vision of this church is that's planted on that wall out there in that hallway across from the office and knowing where we're headed as a church? Where do I plug into that vision individually? What have I done to prepare myself for what God's told me to do in the course of the years to get ready for such a time as I am entering into it? What are the gift mixes that I have where I'm supposed to be making the body stronger than it would be otherwise, and there's a gap because I'm not doing it. All this come into play there. But when you follow the revelation of the Word, that could be the Word spoken here in God's Word itself. When I go in and I'm memorizing it, I'm renewing my mind, and I'm getting myself to the place where I begin to think more and more like with the mind of Christ. It could also be the... the Word of prophetics, uh, prophecy. It could be dreams. It could be visions, open visions, closed visions, whatever, where God speaks to you. But it will always line back up with this. Always will line back up with God's Word. So, when you follow the revelation, the written or the downloads, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Praise God. I love that. That is good right there. So, do I have a vision of who I am? Do I have a vision of what I have in Christ? Do I have a vision of my life's purpose? All this comes into play for such a time as this because if I don't know who I am in Christ right now, then I'm just going to be flowing back and forth with a breeze when it, as the enemy comes in. This word vision, kazan, means sight. It means dream. It means revelation. It means to mentally perceive or to contemplate. It's an ability to see beyond what is visible in the physical presence. Now listen carefully, because this is, this is really good. And this is embedded in the, in, the, in the Hebrew, the ancient Hebrew thinking. It means a vision now. Keep in mind, 
I don't see it. It's not tangible, but it means this. It means possession that one holds. So in other words, I don't see it in the natural, but I've already gotten this thing in my heart to the place that it's mine. I'm not going to let anybody steal this from me. And I'm going to do what it takes to get a hold of that and see it come to pass in the natural. Okay, another picture in the Hebrew. It means lightning. It means lightning. It means to see like lightning, boom. A boat hits at dark or in darkness. And immediately I'm able to see from one area of the horizon to the other horizon on the other opposite extreme because that light is so bright. And now I see it through the darkness and I'm able to go in and walk into it and grab a hold of it and bring it into to fruition. Into being. That's what a vision is, and that's what's going to happen if we're walking in it. Perceive something not yet physically present and see it come into my hands. Well, the vision starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Go over to 1 Corinthians 13. This is the, the New Testament perspective, obviously. First Corinthians 13, we think about that as being the love chapter, which it is. But this is, there's some interesting aspects to this uh, in the latter part of this, this chapter that are, is really current, really relevant for us right now. Verse 9, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect, that which is a teleos, that which is a full-grown man, somebody that's gone to full stature, is come, then that which is in part should be done away with. So we look at this, and I've been taught that this is talking about the fullness of Jesus Christ in the body, Him coming back later, and the fullness of everything coming at the end of the age. I don't know that that's really what this is saying right here. I believe this could very well be, uh, at least one aspect of this, would be if I'm willing to pay the price to begin to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to begin to see things in the Spirit a lot clearer than I ever did when I was a baby, which is the next scripture here which says, when I was a napios, that's an infant. That's a baby that does not even know how to speak right. Now we're looking at somebody that's perfect and he's speaking correctly and, not, and is a grown man versus somebody that doesn't even know how to speak right. They don't even understand because as a child they, didn't, they don't understand the things. And they think differently. But when I became a teleos, a man, I put away the child is speaking the child is understanding, and the child is thinking. So now I've got the mind of Christ. Now I've got this vision. Now I'm beginning to see it. Now I'm beginning to speak that vision come into, into being. Now I'm beginning to do what I need to do to reach out and grab that thing that is my possession, and I'm starting to move toward that and applying my faith in it. And regardless of circumstances, that doesn't matter. Esau's coming with 400 men. I don't, I'm not going out there in that land. I don't care what God said. Is that what Jacob did? No, God gave him a strategy. He gave him tactics on what to do. And he did it. And we know the rest of the story was his brother, when they did have that confrontation, came up and gave him a hug. And the, the, the biblical record and the Jewish history is that he and his brother eventually went ahead and they buried his dad. They did that together. And they were in communion with each other from then on as much as they could be. They had to spread out, obviously, because the, the people that they had and the, the land to support them. Verse 12, For now we see through a glass darkly, 
All right, we say that about prophecy all the time, about all these visions. But I'm going to tell you something. But then face-to-face, that's a picture of us coming into face-to-face with God. That's a picture of us in the Hebrew, taking this back in the Old Covenant. That would be mouth-to-mouth meeting Him and His life being breathed in us, being that close to Him. When that happens, the visions begin to become clearer and clearer, you see. That the vision that God planted when, he, when Jacob was speaking to, uh, being spoken to by Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, here I am again, I'm getting them mixed up again. 20 years earlier, now at the river Jabbok, it becomes much clearer because he's now a teleos, a mature man. And he sees that vision about to take place because it's time to cross over and enter into it. What is, what's the vision God gave you? Lawrence, what's the vision God's given you? Jackie? He's, he's given every one of us visions in the past perhaps we've had dreams whatever it is but what is it that's uniquely harriet lane for you to do that nobody else can do and i'm going to tell you something what i just said applies to each and every one of us we may think that we're not anything special you know here this is me god god has created each one of us for that unique thing for each one of us to do. And that's, if you're called, called in this body, what is that unique thing that he's called you to do? That's going to be the vision he's put in your heart years ago. Maybe we haven't seen it for whatever reason, got discouraged, but if we're growing, we're serious, it's beginning to burn in us right now. Beginning to burn in us right now because we're crossing over into that. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. I be, the, the visions, the dreams, I'm beginning to understand them a lot more now and getting interpretations a whole lot better now than I did 20 years ago or 30 years ago because I'm getting closer to the, to the king. I'm becoming more and more conformed to his image. You understand what I'm saying? Is that, are you seeing that, Terry? Okay. What about you prophets, Linda? you seeing that? Yeah. I hope so. That should be the, the testimony for all of us. But then I shall know even as I am known. And now abides faith and hope and charity. Now love is going to be the, the strongest of these three. It's going to be the greatest of these. It says here in verse 13. The love of God. The two slabs. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That will be the, the beginning point. If I'm walking in love, then hope deals uh, with the future, with that vision and the hope that God has given me that I'm going to see that coming to pass. And faith is trusting Him. It's got to spring out of that love before I'm going to be able to move into what God's called me to do. So how do I get a vision? How do I get it? 2 Corinthians 4, 18. Well, number one, God's told me to look at that which cannot be seen by physical eyes. It's invisible. God's going to show me and I'm going to be perceiving it in my mind the way he, he moves. So here in this verse, verse uh, 418 of 2 Corinthians, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. A vision means I see what's invisible. A vision means that I see in my mind's eye myself in our walk, heading that way and walking in that, that reality. 
A vision means that God, this, this is something God desires for me. A, a vi this vision thing means that I am who I am and I am what I have in Him and that's the means to get there. And again, obtaining that vision is going to be in the Word and then what God downloads to me over time. So essentially it's going to be what I have in Him and what he, when He activates my purpose. Now, we've got to be real careful to not pick the vision up from the wrong place. If I sit down and I begin to, to listen and watch uh, a lot of TV, I'm going to use an example that's current right now, uh, COVID-19, I've got to wear 15,368 layers of masks to be protected from it now. Is that right or wrong? Well, that may be a little exaggeration. But it, it went from, guys, you need to wear a mask. You probably just wear it about a week or two, maybe a month, and then we'll be okay. Uh, we'll, we'll shut everything down for a couple of weeks, and then we'll get to that two-week period, and this thing, everything will open back up. Um, that's, that's been the pattern here. There's been fear. There's been manipulation that's been applied to this. Now it's gone from us wearing masks until you get vaccinated because everybody's going to have, have herd immunity. And now uh, we've got everybody getting vaccinated, so you won't have to wear a mask anymore. To this point being, get your vaccines, go ahead and get that done. Everybody needs to wear at least two masks, maybe three layers of masks, and it's going to be till next year, and then we're going to be okay. I know what I'm being messed with, okay? Oh. 2022, the, the evidence is right there on that iPad, 2022. Now, I'm not going to live a lie any longer, guys. We got, just need to walk, and we know within ourselves and understand that when there's propaganda, when there's stuff going on, the enemy's trying to come in and cut off vision because we are the people that carries healing. Healing is the children's bread. We're supposed to be the ones going in, and, and I've done this. I've laid hands on people with COVID. I've gone into the, their house and prayed with them, and I've seen them recover. Okay? How many of y'all have done that? Raise your hands. Why? Because fear's been planted in us that this is worse than Ebola or the Black Death, and this is something we will not survive if we get around it. And I'm going to tell you something. That's a lie of the pit of hell. Because God says He's going to, uh, I mean, He's the healer. He's going to heal all of our diseases, right? So let's get real here and let's get, let's, what is the truth? Are we we're getting our truth from in the, the, the culture? This, and if we are, that's going to hinder us from accomplishing that vision that God's called us as the body of Christ. And we're going to know when we walk in, whatever the situation is, if we're going by the, the narrative in the culture, our spirit man is going to turn in us and we're going, to, we're going to know that we're walking in a lie. We're going to know that we're walking in a lie. This is a pattern in every Marxist nation when they're going to take over. There's a very small percentage of Marxists that actually are the power people. And they control all these other folks because they put in their, their minds that there's a fear of coming down in, in personal confrontation that it's going to cost me too much or whatever. And there comes a time and a place where the people rise up and they say, enough is enough. I know the truth and I'm not going to live a lie. As a Christian, I'm going to fellowship. As a Christian, I'm going to worship God. As a Christian, I'm going to get together with fellow believers and we're going to share the word with each other and we're going to, we're going to walk through it. What I'm saying here today is exactly what the underground church has done for the last century. 
and being able to survive in countries that have been overcome by Marxism. This is not something new. This is what we're going to have, we're going to, have to get this mindset that regardless of what the, the culture is doing, I'm going to protect myself and I'm going to take, I'm going to take the, younger, uh, the weaker brethren where they are. Yes. But by and large, I'm going to do what God says rather than what man says. Is that, am I making that up or is that what the Bible says? Okay, it's all part of the vision. and We need to understand the enemy is trying to kill our vision right now. That's what this is all about. The enemy is trying to kill the church. We're unlike churches in, in uh, California and in, in, uh, New York, some of the other places around the country, and that we've been able to go ahead and continue meeting. We've been blessed in that respect. But we're about to open back up, guys. We're about to get back out and begin to witness on the streets and do the other things that we are called to do. We've got a word, the timing to go ahead and do that. And some people have been going through all the way and been operating in that anyway. They really understood where they were. So let's get back in where God's word here. Is this making any sense today? All right, let's go over to Habakkuk chapter 2. You know, the, uh, it's interesting on this. You go through God's Word and it talks about vision. And there's a, a pattern that's here over and over and over in God's Word. I'm not going to take time with that because of the time factor here where we are at this point. But Habakkuk chapter 1 deals with God calling the seers, the prophet, to, to look, to watch. The, co the country's full of violence, uh, there's strife, there's contention. Uh, the wicked are blocking everything the righteous are trying to do. The wrong judgments, the, the corruption in the court system is obvious. Pay bribes, the rich get off uh, scot-free, and everybody else has to be obedient to the laws. There are terrorists around, the predators that are preying on everybody. Uh, people are in rebellion to authority. Um, let's see, what else is going on? The Nimrod spirit is there. There are hunters of men that are collecting and building their own personal empires. At that time, the Antichrist spirit is running rampant. Now, does any of that sound familiar? All right, so this is a word that's now, just as current now as it was when Habakkuk was prophesying. That's my point here. So it's the word trouble and tribulation go hand in hand with God giving us a vision. And this is the time that people are ready to receive them uh, by and large. I will stand, that's being as a pillar, coming up and growing close to God. I will make my stand in such a time as this that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Not, the, not anything else. Nobody's going to take that for me or from me. That means to tarry. It means to abide there. And then it goes further and it says, upon my watch. And the picture in the Hebrew is a shepherd who's watching out over his sheep and protecting it. So that's what the picture is here of what we should be doing now, protecting what God has given us to watch over, to guard, to protect. Because, you see, the next key word here in the Hebrew, and set me upon the tower. That's a, that's a place that is under siege by an enemy army that's trying to come in and pull the tower down, the walls down, to overcome, and overcome those ramparts that are protecting everybody. There's siege works that are there. It's called being in straits. It's called being in trouble. It's called being in a narrow place. The picture is of an oil, oil press that's coming down and putting pressure on the olives 
and the oil, the sheen coming out of it. That should be what's happening with God's people. So that should be happening with us. That there should be more Holy Ghost on me right now than than there was when things were going all great and everything was super. So now we see a picture here of what God's wanting us to do. And it says this. And what I shall answer when I am reproved. Wow. Here we go. Let's go across the river Jabot, man. God's wanting to get me reproved and get me cleaned up. It's time for wrestling. You see, that concept is not just at one place. It's all the way through intertwining in God's Word. God wants me wrestling right now. He wants me changed. He wants me more receptive. He wants more sensitive to His Spirit. He wants me full of His Spirit. He wants me not just full, but overflowing like that Coke poured out on that in that drink that was on that table. And You know, I see the how, how Coke fuzzes up, or fizzes up, and just overflows. Running all the way down the floor. That was one of the prophetic words today. Because it brought on down. So, he wants me cleaned up and out. A proper interpretation would be, or this scripture would be, I will tarry, I'm going to remain by him as a pillar. I'm going to possibly be watching my stewardship, the things he give me to steward over, as these times of affliction come. And the reason is, it's going to be in order to clearly see, number one, why this is happening, and what, how, where he's expecting me to react to accomplish his ends, his purposes. In other words, okay, I'm looking, God, I'm receptive. What are you requiring of me right now? I'm bending my knee down. I'm making you not just my Savior, but my Lord. I'm making you my Master. I kneel on my knee before you as a doulos, as a servant. What are you telling me to do, Master? That's what I'm going to do. I hold nothing back. All of my stewardship is totally yours. If you have something there you want me to lay down, that's fine. I'll lay that down. I'm going to leave that on the River Jabbok on the other side when I go back in and enter into the vision. That's not going with me. If there's something you want me to pick up that I have just dug my heels in and refused to do it, and that's what you want? Okay. Here we go. I'm going to do this right now. You see, there's, there's both sides of that too. How do I know this? You know, we talked about uh, that I'll never get up here and share something on this. I know that it's God's Word for such a time as this. That it's something I have either walked through or am walking through myself. And I endeavor to be transparent with everybody. I've always tried to do that. But this is a time where I've been seeing that in my own life and Stuff I didn't even realize was still there. Yeah, this had to go out the back door. And he wanted to put things in me too. So I've had to go ahead and engage and walk this out. So here we are in verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. All right, here's what we need to be doing right now. Number one, understand that in times of trouble that God's going to start speaking to us. That's the number one thing. You need to, you that are in discipleship, get your pen and a piece of paper out if you had not already done it. So number one here, in times of trouble, he's going to speak to me about, about the vision. It's coming. Get ready for it. Number two will be to write it down. What is that vision? Write it down. Make it plain. Is the third step here. Make it plain. In other words, okay, the vision I'm seeing, he's giving me these dreams, uh, is to, to go out on the streets and preach the gospel. That's easy. Write it down. And then uh, the step number four after realizing in times of trouble 
that uh, he's going to go ahead and he requires me to stand with him and he's going to speak to me. Number two would be to write the vision down. Number three is make it plain. And then number four, that he may run with it. That he may run with it. And that he may run that reads it. Make it plain on the ta tablets that he may run that reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time. So now this uh, phrase that he may run with it is like a messenger carrying forth whatever this is. It'll be easy to understood and be read. I've got to meditate on this. I've got to work through this and figure out what he's speaking and make this where I can walk through it and run with it and not, not try to make it uh, in, in a way that I'm comfortable with, but his way. And then it says it's for an appointed time. So whatever God has called me to do, whatever this vision is, it's going to take a period of time for me to get ready to do it because I'm not going to be able to do it in my own flesh, my own volition, as I mentioned earlier. And we've talked about that before. But he's got to get me ready. Plus, he's got a set time and a set season for everything. Uh, did it, did it just slip by God that we have Marxists that are trying to take this government over right now? God was totally shocked. Biden ended up winning the election. Well, he got put in. Okay? He was told that, that shot God. Did y'all know that? He had no clue. Does anybody agree with that? No, he knew exactly what was going to come. He knew he had a people here that he was preparing for such, such a time as this. The current revelation that God's given us of that future event. Everybody listen carefully because this is going to be important too. God has given me that vision out there and he begins to give me more and more revelation about that. I begin to, to apply my faith on that and begin to be drawn toward it. And then my testimony, I begin to see God move in different ways. See, he's told me I've got a gift of healing, a gift of healings. So I go and I pray over, over uh, uh, Glenn for uh, insanity. And he gets delivered immediately. He fell in love with, with JB, and it's been like, it's, he, he's not been the same since. Bless his heart. Still on his honeymoon right now. Amen. Yeah, that's, that's a good, good comment, actually. Miracle bliss is, is guaranteed there. So I, that could be one of the things. And then I come through, and God tells me to go lay hands on, on Mac, and we see healing manifest there. And over a period of time, I begin to see more more graphic bones being that were broken coming. Uh, I hear them snapping as they come back together. A man's vertebrae are, is out of his out of socket in his, his back. Not socket, but out of line. And I lay hands on him, and I can actually feel the vertebrae popping back in, which I felt that before, and I thought, that is so cool, God. So then you get on out there, and over a period of time, God sends you to a place with, in a funeral home, and somebody's died, and He says, go over there and speak healing over them. And somebody gets raised from the dead. That's the vision. So it begins to increase, you see, along the way. All right, so the current revelation, whatever it is, of that future event will be my testimony as I go. Then when I get there, then the fullness of that vision comes and my testimony is so much bigger and stronger than what it was before. And all this will do is give God glory. I can't take any of that. I've got to give Him the glory on this. I've got to give Him the glory. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak. As you get closer to the fulfillment of that vision coming forth, then you need to be speaking it coming in. There is a chronos to this. There's a, a timeline where it goes over a period of time. 
But there is a kairos always. There is that point in time where something has been ordained by God and it is to burst forth. There is a day of the Lord. There is the breakthrough. There is the healing that's, that's ordained to come. There is a time of God. And I've, just, I've got to follow Him and be in that timing. And then when it pops, it's glorious for us to be able to be there and be a part of that. Then we've got to speak. When we speak, this word speak means bellows. as blowing. Like when you're doing your, your work on that, uh, that hot anvil. And that, that, uh, not, actually, the anvil's not hot. It's the, where the fire is. It gets hot. That kiln. Uh, forge? Yeah, when the forge gets hot. There's a bellows that you use to get that up. And it blows a lot of air in. And it, it builds it up. The fire just kindled up. And it's roaring. It's, it's a blue flame. The hottest that there is. Sometimes you want to hit that level. That's what that's talking about. When I speak the vision, I'm blowing like the bellows is blowing to kindle that fire to come up and get hotter and hotter. You've got to be careful what you speak, especially about the vision that God gives you. Because as you get closer to it, you're going to be speaking the fire to kindle that thing for it to come forth. And it's very careful. I'll have to be very careful in speaking properly. And then as we go further here, this is what we've got to be careful of as well. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it was sure to come. It will not tarry. Verse 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. So, and you go in here and it talks about the, the proud man in, in verse 5. So we need to be careful that we not have our soul to be lifted up. We need to be aware of pride. We need to be aware of presumption. Uh, I'll tell you, presumptuous man, Moses. He knew, apparently, God had spoken to him years before he came out of Egypt to begin with, that he was going to be the deliverer of all of Israel. And so when he saw that, uh, that Egyptian beating that slave, and he went over and he grappled with him and killed him on the spot, he thought he was doing God's vision. He was trying to make it happen his way. He was presumptuous, you see. And he was way out of God's timing because he was not ready to lead those people. He was a good warrior. He didn't have anything but the equipping for the survival uh, skills that he was going to have to walk in and lean those people out in the wilderness for all those years coming. He'd been raised in the city, there in the, in the uh, house of Pharaoh. What happens? He gets run off and he has to go on out there and get ready. But he was presumptuous. How many of us have tried to make something happen? We felt like it was God and we just bumped, up or, uh, bumped our nose up against the wall, maybe thought, well, God doesn't do what He says He's going to do, and we're sh shaking our fist at Him, or we, we, uh, we've seen it with other people that, uh, that were supposed to be a part of the vision have, have not lined up with us on it, whatever the scenario is. And then we backed off of that and felt like it wasn't God. That's a tragedy, because we're out of God's timing. We try to do it on our own flesh. And here we are at j -Bot. And he was wrestling with this. He's saying to us, okay, you remember that thing that happened back there? That was me. But now i got to get you ready. And you're right here at this point where you're getting ready right now to step on into this. I'm seeing recognition in some eyes. I don't know how many of y'all run into this before, but I can say that I've seen it in my own life. It's the real deal. We've got to go through this preparation time and be sure that uh, we don't walk in any pride. And I've got, how many pages of notes do y'all think I have left? 18? 
Anybody in favor of 18 say aye? Well, how did, y'all are prophetic. Wow. Okay. Uh, apparently, I've got another message next week to build on this. Let's see. Conclusion. How we can do this? How do we walk this out? How do we get this vision? How do we know it? Practice the presence of God. Practice the presence of God. Spend time with Him. Worship Him. Practice the presence of God. Refuse to get a religious spirit on you. That's going to be where you're going to try to work it out on your own, your own flesh. Refuse to receive a religious spirit. What that means is I'm going to walk because I understand there's a law of love that supersedes the love of the law. It's all about love anyway. Number three, submit to the proper government God's put in my life. If I'm hearing God about a vision, go and talk to my, the, the person that's my elder. Get them praying with me about that. Have counsel that I can go to where they can speak in my life where I don't get ahead of God. There's a lot of safety in that. That's what God's Word teaches. So, number one, I need to practice the presence of God. Refuse to receive a religious spirit. Number three is submit to the government that God's put in my life. Number four, no God. No God. Yada. Spend time with Him. Begin to hear. Begin to see. Un- recognize that uh, when He manifests in the natural, we, we know that that was Him because that was a prayer that we prayed back here. Like we prayed, the example would be with Seraphine and what happened with him with his heart. Multiple people prayed the prayer of agreement. Boom, we see it break through. That's awesome, isn't it? Love it. Love it when we see that. And number five, we must walk in the personal restraints of that vision that he's given us. The personal restraints of that vision. And number six, understand that people follow those who know where they're going. Why do I not have people follow me? I've been in ministry for years and I just don't have anybody follow me. What's going on? Well, let me ask you, what is your vision and what are you doing in progressively stepping in the ways of God to, to reach out in, in faith and get there? Uh, perhaps it could be those in the 95 fold ministry and we're a businessman and we go around all the time. We hear these testimonies about, well, you know, I shared with y'all when I had my business, I would go around to restaurants and other places to service my accounts. Invariably, I preached more when I was in business than I do now. Honestly, I'm, I mean, everywhere I'd go. There were opportunities to speak into people's lives. It's out there. People knew that I had a vision. They were following me. That's right, works. Number seven, the activation of this is going to be love. God is going to work us to the place. He's going to root the stuff out, the bitterness, the hurts, the false agendas that are not Him, whatever it is. And he's going to impart to me a love and a compassion of Christ that's going to be required to ignite whatever this vision is. When I get there, it's not going to be a big thing because love is going to be loving him first and loving my neighbor next. So he gets all the glory because that's going to be part of my love that I'm walking in to give that to him. Just make any sense. All right, well, we'll see.